What's it like singing in the sixth global parliament of world religion? How can working with refugees and Special Olympic athletes influence your pathway to medicine? Hear first-year medical student Sarmishta's story about how she strengthened her application when reapplying to medical school, her experience attending a drive-through white coat ceremony, and how she deals with Zoom class fatigue here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking You and Med Student Life. I have a fantastic guest today, Sarmishta. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. You know, like we were just talking before I turned on the pod that there's just a lot of stuff going on in the world and our society, but I try to take it one day at a time. How about you? Yep. Same. All right. One day at a time. (laughs) One day at a time. So before we talk about... um, because I'm, I'm, I think me and a lot of the listeners would love to hear how your medical school is going in the middle of a pandemic. I want to kind of go back to the beginning, Sarmishta. Um, sure. How old were you roughly? And, and like, how did you decide to go to med school? When did you decide to become a doctor? When, help me understand how you got to that point in your journey. Yeah. Um, so firstly, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, like I, we were talking about before, I've listened to your show as an undergrad and there's just a lot of great information, a lot of great tips. Um, so, and I found it really helpful and I'm so honored to be here today. So thank you. Um, so going back to the beginning, um, I'm from India. I uh, moved here to the US with my family in 2005 uh, due to my dad's work. And uh, so my sort of journey uh, into medicine um, it started out uh, with me wanting to do something different growing up because um, I come from a family of engineers. And so I just wanted to do anything other than engineering um, growing up. And so around that same time, um, I had a family member, my uncle was uh, struggling with alcohol dependence. And um, I saw kind of two different um, approaches to his situation and how it was handled. So my family um, had a very uh, like like tough love um, approach to what they thought was like rebellious behavior on my uncle's part. Um, but his physicians um, saw it as an illness that needed to be treated, and they were just very compassionate with him. Um, they advocated for him and just helped him over the years to gradually like make lifestyle uh, changes um, and sort of help him out of that situation and. Um, so that was my first sort of exposure to um, like physicians are in this place where they have this ability to um, help people who um, are facing a really challenging time in their lives and are in a really vulnerable time uh, point in their life. And so that's when I started thinking about get, uh, becoming a doctor. Um, but I would say um, I really knew for sure and I made that decision in undergrad. Um, when I got to really explore the medical field in a lot of different ways um, through research and patient care activities, shadowing. Um, So what I loved about all of those activities was when I got to interact with people and when I got that patient interaction, um, just, I just enjoyed talking with the patients, sort of getting to know them and really helping them have a good um, positive healthcare experience. Um, So that, really kind of told me, okay, maybe, you know, this is a, this is a really good field for me to go into. And the other thing that I noticed was just how, um, 
multidimensional um, the role of a physician was. Uh, so like I would be able to help people through direct patient care, but I can also be a, a patient advocate. I can be a patient educator. And so I just love this idea of having all this diversity um, in my ability to help people. And so um, that's when I really decided, okay, I want to become a physician and um, apply to medical school. So Mishta, I love that. It sounds like through your family experiences that really like fine-tuned and honed your focus. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, with, with that experience with alcoholism with your family, did that influence any of the activities that you started doing in undergrad? And if so, which ones? Or if not, that's okay too. Like, like yeah, so how would you answer that? Yeah, um, so I think uh, right around the time when I entered uh, undergrad, my uncle had, um, uh, you know, made those changes and he had come out of that, um, his alcohol dependence. So at the time, I uh, didn't uh, really focus on um, like maybe doing work with rehabilitation or, or things like that. But my focus was definitely to try uh, a lot of different activities to see what I was interested in. Um, and being an immigrant, I was also really uh, uh, passionate about helping uh, you know, people from other backgrounds and learning about different cultures. And um, so I was really focused on getting um, a diverse set of experiences, I would say. And I know like you did some work with uh, refugees and the Special Olympics. What, what attracted you to those activities? Yeah, um, so uh, I wanted to do uh, different types of activities. And so the first thing that I uh, got into was uh, the Special Olympics through the Benyon Center. So I actually went to the U for undergrad and um, they have, uh, so the, the Banyan Center at the U um, is a great place to start uh, and get a lot of different volunteering opportunities. And so one of the um, activities that they were offering was a Special Olympics. And um, I was like, oh, this is, this is a really new experience for me. I would get to be interacting with um, a different community. And um, so that's how I, uh, I joined. So I initially joined as a bocce ball um, head coach. And then um, I just loved being around the athletes and it was so inspiring to, um, you know, interact with them and they have such a, such a positive outlook on life. And just for um, maybe those who may not know what Special Olympics is, it's um, an organization for people with um, intellectual uh, disabilities to engage in sports. Um, and so uh, it was a really great environment to be in. And so the, the next year I applied for the head of delegations uh, position and was accepted into that. And part of that, or a huge part of that was um, like organizing uh, practices, organizing events, um, communicating with the coaches and athletes and their families. So I really got to interact one-on-one -on -one with a lot of the athletes and their families and really got um, to see what their lives were like and what challenges that they were facing. And um, I just really enjoyed that experience a lot and made a lot of great friendships from that experience. I would say um, I still have some athletes calling me and just sharing um, life experiences with me. And so it was a, it was a wonderful experience. And um, the refugee is, um, again, I wanted to uh, work with uh, like the immigrant population and um, so I was an ESL teacher, uh, which is like English as a second language um, teacher for them. And part of my uh, 
role was um, helping them learn the language and just being comfortable doing like day-to-day -day activities, um, just uh, asking for inst instructions or directions, um, filling out forms, reading signs. So just things, uh, skills that they would need to be self-sufficient um, in America. And um, it was, again, it was a really great uh opportunity for me to get to know people from different cultures and backgrounds and one of the really cool things about it was um, after being in our program a lot of them went on to apply for jobs and they got uh, into a lot of different types of jobs and they were really thankful for the program at um, Sunnyvale which is where I did this um, and so again I was really great to be a part of helping them adjust to this new life. And uh, I know you did some amazing research too. Like, how did you find and discover your lab? Because I get this, I get asked this question a lot. Like, like because yeah. people kind of know, like, oh, I, you know, to apply to med school, you need to have some research experience. Right. Um, how, how, what was what was the secret to your success? How did you find your lab? Yeah, so um, when I joined the U, um, uh, so I'm a bio major, or I graduated as a bio major, and I also did the um, honors program, and part of the honors program is you need to complete um, an undergraduate thesis, which is not normally required um, for the biology degree, um, and so that really uh, set me up for like having a longitudinal research experience. Um, and the other thing is I was really interested in biology and specifically cancer biology. Um, and so I just, uh, I just like cold emailed, I guess, um, a bunch of PIs at, um, Huntsman. Uh, I had no lab experience, so it was a long shot for sure. Um, and I just sent emails and didn't hear back for a couple of months from anybody. Um, and then, I got an email from Dr. Kevin Jones's lab um, at Huntsman Cancer Institute, and he told me to come in and um, we talked, and he was really kind uh, to give me an opportunity in his lab as a volunteer, um, and so that's kind of how I got into it, and um, everything that I learned about research and, um, you know, cancer biology, um, is from uh, working in Dr. Jones's lab, and I also completed my honors thesis um, in his lab. So, um, yeah, just just emailing PIs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and would you do you send a short email, a long email? Would Would you try to arrange a one on one? Would you try to drop by? Like what? Yeah. So I had a very uh, like I guess uh, amateur maybe is the word. Um, resume to send to them <laughs> it was very sparse because I didn't have any research experience um so I just sort of told them um I'm really interested um in the kind of research that they were doing in their labs because I did a little bit of like research pri prior to sending the email um and then I also told them that I was in this honors program and I was looking for um, a thesis project um and to uh, and then just ask them for their advice on how to uh, go forward. Um, and, um, Dr. Jones, uh, recommended, you know, that we meet in person one-on-one -on -one. and it's a really funny story. So the first time I went to his office, um, he had this, this Chinese takeout, uh, container on his table and like halfway through our conversation, it just started moving 
and I, <laughs> I, I was like, you know, I didn't know that they had, that's how they transported mice for experiments. So that was like, um, midway through the conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, your food is moving. <laughs> like, like the container was moving or the stuff started to crawl out of the container? No, the container was moving. <laughs> Do you think it was so, some sort of, oh wow. Like, I, like, did you think it was some sort of test? <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> How are you going to react to this? Yeah, I was like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, um, I think your lunch is moving. And he was like, no, it's just the, we have some mice in there, so. Oh, wow, wow. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. that's, that's funny, wow. <laughs> so I wish to like, you know, going to undergrad here, um, you know, like there's a, lot, there's a lot of people interested in going to med school. Um, yeah. It's competitive. Uh, the journey's long. Did you ever have thoughts of giving up? Did you ever have thoughts of switching and doing something else? Yeah, um, it's definitely, like you mentioned, um, a challenging route to take. And um, I would say um, definitely times when I felt maybe, you know, I wasn't doing enough or I I didn't have um, enough to get into medical school. Um, But there were a lot of mentors in my my life and my family support. And they just uh, made sure that, you know, every time I was a little demotivated, um, and I would go and sort of, uh, you know, talk with them. They definitely motivated me and kind of reminded me of the things um, that I was doing and the strengths in my application and um, also gave me feedback on like things that I could uh, improve on. So that definitely helped me stay on course to medical school. Um, so I was waitlisted my, uh, in 20, uh, 2018. And so that was a little bit of a... Um, definitely like you were mentioning, you know, uh, second thoughts. Um, but the positive thing about that was, and I have to thank the U medical school here, um, because they have this really great, um, option to get feedback from the admissions committee. And so I took up that option and I got really great feedback from the admissions committee. And that really motivated me to, uh, try again the next year. Um, because I could see, they told me what I was doing well and what I needed to, um, improve on and focus a little bit more on. And so that was really motivating, I would say, for me to uh, try again and not give up. So there's definitely moments of doubt, but I think um, I was really, uh, I'm really passionate about this field and I really wanted to get in and the U is my dream school. So I was really focused on getting into the U. And so um, I tried again and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) And so Rishta, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, but yeah, just kind of talking about that, if you feel comfortable in sharing, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you know, you hit the wall, you, you didn't get in the first time you applied, mm-hmm. um, what, and then you got some feedback, I mean, so what was, what was, how did you drop a plan, I mean, like, how did you tackle that, how did you find that fire to keep on going, did, did, and you mentioned some mentors. Did you have someone kind of coaching you along the way? I'm just curious how, how that kind of played out in real time. How did, how did you get your application stronger and what areas did you focus on? Yeah. So um, it was really uh, great to have that feedback because um, just to like a quick overview, like uh, for people who might not be aware of the process, like we have um, this application process and then we also have this interview process so I was just not sure if, um, like, if, if it was my interviewing or my application, parts of my application. So the feedback really helped clear that part up. 
Um, and so some of the feedback that I had gotten was just the way that I presented my activities could have been better. Um, and I, re I remember uh, uh, this term that the, the uh, pre-med advisor shared with me um, was like building a narrative of my um, application. And so that was something that I hadn't thought about in that previous application, just the way that I presented and projected myself and my activities. Um, and so that was really great feedback to get in terms of how I was presenting myself and my strengths. So that was something that I worked on uh, a lot uh, for my reapplication. And also just, um, they told me that my activities were great and to just continue uh, doing them long-term. And so I continued uh, doing the activities that I was doing um, just to gain more experience. And um, so I would say uh, those are some of the things that I worked on a lot. And the other thing was with the interviews, um, they had told me uh, to be more spontaneous in my interviews. Um, and so the next time around when I interviewed, I just had fun with it um, as opposed to like being a little more nervous and um, the first time around. So the second time I just, I, I had fun with it and I think that turned out to uh, be successful. So. Yeah. Well, obviously so, Sarmishta. And I think, I think a lot of life is just practicing. And I, and I wonder if you felt that since you went through the application and interview process that you felt it was a little bit easier the second time around or, 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 or maybe not, maybe it was just more pressure. Like, what would you say to that? I mean, do you, do you feel that there was, there was inherent value in doing it once before? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I, again, I have the pre-professional advising office at, in, on lower campus to thank. I worked really closely with them, like throughout my undergrad, especially um, Mayumi Kasai. Uh, she helped me a lot in terms of uh, pointing out what things were good, what things I needed to work on. And um, doing it the first time around was really helpful because it gave me an idea of what the process was like, especially the interview. Um, and uh, it was really nice to have that prior experience. Um, and there were times when it, I was more nervous, but also had this thing that, okay, I was waitlisted the first time around, so I'm doing something right. Um, I just need to do it better. Um, and so there were points where I was like more nervous, but also thinking back on that experience and the feedback gave me a little bit more motivation that, you know, this time around would be better. So definitely up and down. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I had, I also had a lot of support from my family, um, for the reapplication as well. And they were just, even at times when I was like, eh, maybe should I try something else? Like do a master's in public health or something? They were like, no, just try again. And then we'll see how it goes. Um, so I've just had a lot of support and encouragement around me. Do you remember where you were when I called you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Tell the story. I'm always curious to hear. <laughs> Uh, best day of my life. I was actually um, driving to campus and um, you called me uh, and I was like, I was just so ecstatic. I said, I'm driving. Is it okay if I pulled over into a parking lot? And you said, yeah, I don't recommend talking while driving. And, <laughs> you, were, <laughs> and you were so kind and you waited online. Um, I pulled into like the Zurcher's parking lot and yeah. So February 13th, day before Valentine's Day. So Oh, that's awesome. So much stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you get in like life is good. Um, yeah. You mentioned February 13th. Uh, 
you know, right before the pandemic kind of just yes. <laughs> goes everywhere. So yep. again, you're just kind of your, your perspective, like, like when did, when did it start like influencing like, Oh, this, this could impact what med school looks like. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just curious, like, like how that played out in the spring and, and summer for you. Like what, what were your thoughts and how are you kind of thinking about things? Yeah, um, thinking back, I realized how naive I was, I guess. <laughs> so getting in, in February, and then I think we hit like lockdown in March. Um, so my friends uh, and I were talking about, uh, some of my friends also are in my class. So we were talking about, um, you know, will we have a second look day and things will calm down before a second look day, which happens usually in April. Um, and then April came around and things were only getting worse. So um, we didn't have second look day. And then we were like, oh, things will definitely calm down before the fall. Like we'll have our white coat. Um, and in fall, like we had a, we had a drive through white coat, which was really great. Um, thanks to the U faculty and administration. Um, but yeah, definitely very different compared to what I had imagined it would be like. So I think every step of the way when like some of these big events were getting pushed um, is when I really realized, okay, like medical school is going to be quite different than what I had imagined. Um, but it's been great so far. Um, and, and props to the faculty. I mean, they've been so supportive. Um, they're just, uh, you know, uh, having more office hours to help us and just overall support and acknowledgement that, you know, everyone is going through some type of a challenge in this pandemic um, and just acknowledging that and they're just so supportive. So I haven't um, had uh, any like issues with that, um, except that, you know, I was really looking forward to some hands-on experiences like going into free clinics and volunteering. So I missed that, but um, hopefully uh, things will change this fall. Sarmishta, so, so you just I, you you brought up the white coat. I mean, what did a drive drive through white coat ceremony look like uh, from your perspective? What what was that like? Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so I had imagined this, uh, you know, big event where I would invite my friends, my family would be there, and you know, I would get to walk across that stage. Um, and be, uh, you know, white coated. And so the drive through ended up being uh, like, we couldn't get out of or like my family couldn't get out of the car. So it was me and my parents and sister and um, it happened in president circle. So just like that semicircle, we had, um, they had different stations set up each station, they gave us like, um, like a package and then they had a they gave us our white coat and um, I ended up white coating myself <laughs> and then um, we had our like professional pictures taken and um, they gave us our stethoscopes and so just we had different stations um, in that semi-circle route and we just stopped at each one and then got our uh, got our little packages so it was it was very interesting. Um, I had imagined a big elaborate event, but this was uh, equally special. Mm-hmm. Um, and that moment of just putting that white coat on was just surreal. So, and then with the curriculum, I know a lot of it, most of it, is being delivered online through yeah. Zoom. Mm-hmm. And like, how many hours a day is it for you? And and what's I mean, what's your personal secret to like keep engaged i guess because i have heard it's it, it, i well for me and i think for many others personally it, it 
it, it'd be very taxing just to kind of sit, stare at your computer screen and try to stay engaged. So I just, so how many hours a day are you zooming, I guess? And then what's your secret to kind of keep on going when you, when you hit that wall, I guess, of zoom fatigue. Yeah. Um, so my typical schedule, um, is uh, every day, uh, except on Wednesdays, I have class from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and so we have the morning to study and then the evenings um, to study as well. Um, and then Wednesdays are the longest days um, from 8 a.m. to 5. Um, so definitely Zoom fatigue is real. Um, and it's really nice uh, at the U uh, because we have a combination of what we call synchronous and asynchronous lectures. So the synchronous lectures are um, live. Uh, so the professors will be teaching live and um, we get to interact with each other um, in like small group settings. Um, and then we also have asynchronous lectures, which are recorded and we can watch at our own time. So it's really nice having that flexibility so that I can take breaks even in that sort of one to five block. Um, and to keep myself um, energized, I guess, just taking breaks throughout the day. Um, so I stay with family and it's, it's really great having that uh, support system at home because my mom will come in and be like, okay, you've been staring at the screen for too long, like take a break. Or my sister will come in and um, we'll discuss like lunch plans or dinner plans. Um, so just, uh, I think taking breaks throughout the day, getting up and stretching, um, just little things like that. And just looking away from a screen, uh, like any screen, phone, computer, um, just taking a break from screen time. Um, I think all of those really have helped. I agree with you. So, so wholeheartedly, Sarmishta, that's, it's good to, and it sounds like Wednesday, are Wednesdays kind of like the highlight of the week? Cause that is when there are small group activities, correct? And yeah, you yeah. want to talk a little bit about Wednesdays? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Wednesdays were great last semester um, because we have, um, we, we had our like a histology and anatomy labs in the morning and then we have um, our clinical methods, our doctoring course in the afternoons. And that's when um, definitely the highlight of May week because we get to meet each other in person, which my class has not been able to do a lot so it's really nice to see people, even though it's, you know, we're just looking at their eyes because we're all masked up. Um, it's still nice to get that social interaction and um, get, you know, that face-to-face -face interaction. And so our, our doctrine course is really great because we have, um, we're all split up into these cohorts um, and we have our uh, faculty preceptors. And so uh, we get to uh, like learn physical exams by practicing on each other. And so that's just a lot of fun. And this semester, we haven't had an in-person session yet for Wednesdays. Um, we're just waiting for the two weeks. Um, and then next week is our first um, in-person uh, CMC class. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And Sarmishti, even with the pandemic, even with certain opportunities limited or not as, um, not as available, you mm -hmm. still have got, gotten some cool kind of... Uh, you know, participation and, and groups and committees. So what, what have you sought out during your first few months here at med school? What, what have you been able to kind of uh, become involved with? Yeah, so um, because I wasn't able to um, like go into the clinics as much, um, I wanted to definitely uh, be involved in whatever way that I could, um, given the situation. 
And one of the interests uh, is for me is academic medicine and like teaching. Um, so I did um, a lot of work as a biochemistry uh, teaching assistant in undergrad, and I just I, I just fell in love with teaching. Um, just that process of of helping people um, understand complex topics through education is just uh, you know gives me a lot of satisfaction when I'm able to help people um, in that sense. So I really wanted to get involved in um, uh, education, and so I applied for. Um, the curriculum committee as a uh, MS1 class representative and uh, I was I got into that uh, position and uh, just to get a behind the scenes look at what curriculum building is like um, you know the process that goes into um, coming up with the proposal and then um, getting it approved and implementing it so I just wanted to um, learn more about that so I got into that activity and um, the U has a great um, pathways uh, program, and one of the pathways um, offered is the students as teachers pathway, and so um, I am also part of that pathway. So those classes have been really great, um, and just learning to be a better educator and also a better student or better learner. So I like what you said, Sarmish, to get behind the scenes look at how the curriculum is made. Is it? Is yeah. it has it been entertaining? Has <laughs> it been interesting? Because yeah. um, I know the curriculum has like really grappled with the pandemic and delivering yeah. so much content. I mean, what, 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 what do you, what have you learned just kind of seeing that? Yeah. Um, so I've definitely uh, learned a lot. Uh, I mean, just the whole process of, um, you know, devising uh, a plan and then implementing it takes time and the levels of approvals that need to be done for it. And I think there's a lot of cool um, curriculum changes that are going on. And one thing that we focused on last semester was just um, a little bit of uh, like a grading um, change for my class in terms of um, just, you know, helping students who are having a more challenging time with the pandemic and um, you know, just proposing, okay, this is the great change that we want to do, and this is why we want to do it, and this is how it's going to help the students, and um, and then, you know, presenting that case to the rest of the curriculum committee, and then people discuss, you know, why, uh, why is this an issue, like, how can we prevent this issue um, at the, at the start, and um, how can we continue to keep students engaged, um, and so just having that discussion, and listening to different viewpoints um, and then, you know, voting, voting on it. So I'm, as a class rep, I get to be one of the voting members. So um, I get to vote to either like keep it or change it. So yeah. it's been really cool. I like how you said that, Sarmish. I think to me, it's like a lot of it's just a balancing act. Like, is this yeah. change just, is this fair? Yeah. Uh, how do you communicate this change? And I, yeah. and I think since you're the representative, right. So you're, a lot of students probably approach you with like ideas <laughs> to adjust yeah. X, Y, or Z or yeah. change A, B, and C. And yeah. I think you get kind of this view like, well, you know, some of these things are possible. Some of these things are very difficult, but yeah. there's so many stakeholders involved and it's hard just to change things just like that. It takes time. Like you said. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And I have to mention this position gives me um, a great opportunity to interact with my peers um, because like you said, um, they have suggestions and uh, one of my responsibilities is making sure that their opinions are shared and um, whatever uh, thoughts they have that's also shared. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great way to interact with the class too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. And then you mentioned the students as teachers pathway. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of our listeners might not know, like, so what is a pathway and like, um, and, and what does that mean for you this year and in coming years? Yeah, so pathways are um, not required um, at the U. They are uh, kind of like electives um, and they're longitudinal. So there's a, a lot of pathways that are offered. I'm in two currently, the Students as Teachers and Global Health, both of which are uh, four year long uh, programs. And part of that is we take classes throughout the semester um, and uh, it culminates with like a capstone project in our fourth year. Um, and it's, it's not uh, required and the, there's a the flexibility that you can drop a pathway at any time if it gets too much or um, your interests change. Um, and you're also able to take just specific classes um, that are offered through the pathway um, if you're just interested in one topic and you don't want to do the whole four years. Um, so there's just a lot of different options and flexibility with it. Um, but I just wanted to get more um, of that uh, longitudinal experience and get a really focused education in these two areas. And so that's why I decided to um, join both of these pathways. And so this first year has been pretty relaxed. Um, we have like classes every other week or uh, classes once a month, depending on which pathway. And um, it's just usually just like we have guest speakers come in and, and give us uh, a talk or a lot of like opportunities for um, small group learning, um, things like that. So it's been really great. And with students as teachers specifically, um, I think it has fit really well with my goals. Um, our, so the professors, the, the motto is like every patient encounter is a teaching opportunity. So um, I like that. that's I cool. Yeah, so you get to, you're teaching your patients on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, and so just how to do that effectively. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like it's a group of other students who might have similar interests. It sounds like a, like a minor, like in college. Would you say it's kind of like a minor? Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think that's, yeah, I so think that's a great way to... It's a loose collection of classes that kind of align with your personal interests, and you get to yeah. associate with other students who might be very passionate about teaching or global health. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. So. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, we're almost out of time, Sir Mishtib. I wanted to circle back to your singing, and you are well known for uh, your your singing ability. So, can you talk a little bit about the type of singing you like and how you came to that? Yeah, um, well known is is a really generous term. Thank you. Well, after this podcast, we're gonna kind of <laughs> give you a big boost. So. <laughs> I'm not going to put pressure on you to sing, but <laughs> you just talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I uh, am a Carnatic singer. So Carnatic music is a form of South Indian classical music. And I'm from the Southern part of India. So I've been learning since I was, I want to say five years old. Um, and I was able to continue learning after coming to the U S as well. Um, and so so it's, yeah, it's a form of classical music and uh, it's, I guess it, it's similar to Western music. I mean, um, like it has a set of like seven musical notes, very similar to like the, the Doremi song from The Sound of Music. Um, and I think the great thing about Carnatic music is there's a lot of room for improvisation um, in your singing. And so that really allows you to explore um, that creativity a lot more, I think. Um, and I've had lots of great platforms to share my culture. 
and I would say one of the cooler ones was the um, the uh, Parliament of World Religions uh, event. So there, there's this organization that's focused on um, creating um, like interreligious harmony by just bringing together uh, people of different faiths and and spiritual beliefs. Um, and so they have their conferences at different cities. Uh, and in 2015, um, it was held in Salt Lake. And so um, I was invited to sing like a prayer song. Um, and so it was really wonderful to see how much diversity we have right here in Salt Lake, um, and also a great way for me to share a little bit about my culture. Um, so it's definitely one of the ways that I sort of, um, I guess, recharge. Uh, my sister sings as well, so the two of us just enjoy singing together and um, practicing different kinds of music. So, do you still have time to perform during medical school? I mean, I guess that would be virtual since it's uh, the pandemic. Yeah, um, I haven't had too much of a chance to perform um, after starting medical school. Usually, um, like my performances, um, we do it at the Hindu temple here in um, Salt Lake. And so the temples have also been closed. And um, we usually get also invited to perform at the um, Interfaith Roundtable uh, Conference that happens. And so that also, I think, has been uh, put, put on hold maybe this year. Um, and I, I mean, every year they have like either a dance performance or singing. So I don't perform um, there every year, but I have, I think, once or twice in the past. Um, so, yeah, not too much of an opportunity uh, to perform. Um, I just perform for myself in my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to have you perform for the med school one day if, if you're willing to. or able. So, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess last question for you, Sarmishta, like to to pre-med listen out there, to people who might um, have hit the wall, to people who are listening, who might be feeling a little burnt out or just kind yeah. of fatigued because of the pandemic um, and, you know, might be considering to kind of abandon their path to medical school. What, what would you say? What's your advice? Um, you know, with, you know, the journey to this point and what you've learned, what can you share with others? Um, yeah. Because it sounds like you've done a lot, you've overcome a lot. Like, what would you share? What 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 would you say to those people? Yeah. So, um, first thing I would say is definitely try a lot of different types of activities, um, just to see what you're interested in and what you're passionate about. And once you sort of discover that, build on those activities. Um, so, uh, so that way you let your activities uh, convey what your passion is, um, rather than uh, saying it in words. Um, so that's definitely one thing that I would say. And if you've had an unsuccessful um, application cycle, um, don't lose hope. Um, uh, definitely take uh, advantage of the opportunities. Um, like I'd mentioned, if there's a school that offers um, feedback, then definitely uh, highly recommend taking up that opportunity and getting that feedback just to see what you're doing well and where you can be doing better. Um, and so I would say use that feedback. And if you if you have a, a pre-professional um, advising office at your school, uh, definitely consult with them and see how you can improve and just, just keep um, trying. And I feel like if you've been really invested in this process and you're really interested in going into the medical field, um, you know, you'll, you'll be successful one day, even if it isn't, if it isn't today. So I would say don't give up and just keep trying and see how you can be get better. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I love that, Sir Mishta. I appreciate your time because I know there is probably some lecture you should be watching or book you should be reading because you have class today. But yeah. I appreciate taking your time out of your schedule and I wish you the best and we'll have to have you come back on the pod in the future just kind of hear more about your journey. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I, we kind of talked a little bit before we started this, but you're more or less the COVID generation. And I just think it's amazing and sad and hard to start medical school in the middle of a pandemic. So um, you'll, it'll always, <laughs> it, this year is going to be very different and very uh, unique in many ways. Yes. Yep. I agree. I totally agree. And thank you so much for uh, thinking of me and inviting me onto your show. Um, it's, it's an honor for me to uh, be on here and I really enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate you too, Sarmishta. So